0: Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. All right, uh, Pete Ross is joining us now from the BBC. Pete, uh, let's begin with the World Cup in Qatar. We've been talking about it all afternoon long. What's the reaction been like over there?
1: Good evening. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when we normally have these conversations, we're talking about things happening in the future, but how mm. could we not? Start today by talking about that World Cup. I mean, I mean, the first thing to say, what an incredible final! I'm sure many of your listeners watched it last night, so they know the story. But my goodness, just to insert myself into the story for a moment, <laughs> I didn't watch the game live um, because I had a family event. You but didn't. I was, i did manage to—I managed to record the game. And I didn't know the result. However, when I was driving home, I was going through a part of North London, which has quite a big South American diaspora, and I heard a couple of car horns honking about the key moment when maybe the game had ended. I ignored that. I I thought, well, maybe I know that Argentina's going to win this, but my goodness, when I settled down to watch that game the game was so surprising I'd completely forgotten that I'd had this kind of, you know, uh, peer into the future that Argentina was going to win it. Just to go over it very quickly, Mm. it was like a very typical World Cup final for the first 80 minutes, in that it was one-sided, the story looked like it was going to be mm-hmm. written in the stars for Lino Messi, the player that many people think is the greatest player of all time, to win his first World Cup and possibly his last international game. And then the other huge global star, uh, which you mentioned is also, you know, what ties these two players together? It's their club, Paris Saint-Germain, which is owned by Qatar. And they both played vast fortunes to play for. So he, the other big Qatari global star, he fires into life, scores two goals into two minutes, And then before you know it, you've got the next 50 minutes of sensational football when both France or Argentina could win it. Now, of course, we know now that Argentina won that game. But I tell you, there's there's an expression over here, Roy of the Rovers. Mm. Roy of the Rovers is a British cartoon from the 1960s and 70s when each week Roy, who played for the Rovers, scored a more fantastic goal and had a more fantastic story than the week before. And honestly, Roy of the Rovers could not have written that story better for Qatar, could he? Because, you know, if you if you look at Infantino, Gianni Infantino, the, um, the head of FIFA, on Friday he gave a press conference before the final. He declared that Qatar World Cup had been the best World Cup of all time. Now, at that time on Friday, most people thought, mm, I'm not so sure about that, Gianni. Mm-hmm. Uh, the beginning of the World Cup was quite slow. It was dogged by controversies. You'll remember things like alcohol ban. Yeah. You'll also remember that when when Qatar was awarded the World Cup, they said, hey, everybody's welcome. And then you might remember in the first couple of weeks, though that seems like months ago now because we've had so much football in the last four weeks, you'll remember that they were taking LGBTQ plus flags and hats right. and rainbow scarves, right? So there was controversy. The last two weeks... The, far, the tournament has been pretty incredible, some amazing games, and then you cap it off with this final last night that honestly I don't think Hollywood, it's a bit of a cliche, but I don't <laughs> think Hollywood scriptwriters could have written that better, and they certainly couldn't have written it better than for the Qataris. Now, you might ask me, what's the legacy of this World Cup? Well, I want to bring your attention, and I know that, you've, that you'll have been thinking about this, but you'll remember last night when Lino Messi was, was handed that famous golden trophy, mm-hmm. the Emir uh, of Qatar put a black robe over his shoulders. Yep. I believe yep. it's called a bish. It's a traditional piece of clothing over there. And Not everyone what, is happy that my, about that, yeah? People are quite I, I, divided I on that. I think you're abs- I think people are divided, and I think the Kitanis are very, very happy. I mean, you have to first of all say, and I can't say, I, I, I haven't spoken to Lionel Messi this morning, but, you know, that looks like that was something that was prearranged. And when you look at the front pages of all the newspapers this morning, when I, was, I always mention my Tube journey in, don't I? But when I was sitting on the Tube journey, reading my free newspaper, right there on the, covering the whole of the front page, is that, that iconic image that you get once every four years. The triumphant captain on the shoulders of his team, holding that famous golden tro- trophy aloft, but nor instead of just being the golden trophy and the blue and white of Argentina, you have right in the middle of this photo the stark black robe draped over Lionel Messi, mm-hmm. and I think that is quite a- that metaphor. The metaphor that that image conjures is perfect for Qatar. People will always now remember when they see that photo that it's in Qatar. Now, the Qataris might be happy with that, but we also have to remember that it will remind people of the huge controversies and not just things about no alcohol. We remember, of course, the plight of migrant workers for this tournament. Now, anywhere from three, the Qataris have said anywhere from three to 400 people died making that tournament. Migrant groups say it's closer to 6,000. Regardless, however you cut it, people died for that tournament to take place. And I think, you know, people will, will always remember that. Mm, surely more will be done on the part of the international community as well to hold Qatar accountable for this. Certainly conditions have improved for migrant workers, and there's even been some new laws enshrined in order to protect workers' rights. But, you know, just like you know, when when these huge sporting events roll into town, whether it's the World Cup or the Olympics, it's all about the legacy they leave behind, isn't it? And, you know, I'm phoning you from London today. We had the Olympics ten years ago. They redeveloped a part of East London. It's about 50-50, Stratford, whether that was actually any good for the local community ten years later. If you think about Qatar, they've not just got one brand new stadium to get find the use of. They've got eight of them, and you know, 220 billion dollars worth of infrastructure. I don't know quite, you know, what they're going to do with those eight stadiums. But I think, as far as the Qataris, they will think it's money well spent, particularly given that incredible final last night. It's a, it's funny how people can forget sometimes. But again, migrant groups would point to the fact that people died. To make this tournament, and, and I don't think people will forget that. That has got to be part of the legacy. This is
0: a big coming out party, of course, for Qatar with a new airport, a best airline, best airport, and now the best World Cup, according to Infantino. Also, we, we have to shed light on a big coming out party for a Moroccan team as well, the first Arab, first African country to make it that yes. far in Arab territory as well.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, there's, again, there's, there's absolutely no doubt there are positives to this tournament. You know, as, as you've just said, it was the first tournament to take part in the Middle East in, a, in an Arab country. It meant that people from that part of the world that perhaps wouldn't be able to afford or make the journey thousands of miles to Europe or to, to South America or to North America it meant they could attend the games. We had that breakthrough for African football with that fantastic Morocco team who did so well, um, eventually getting to the semi-final, as you say, the first African nation to do that, and I mean, you know, the the, the experience for fans. I've got a very good friend uh, who lives in Qatar. I've been speaking to him recently. Mm-hmm. You, you can see so many games. If you contrast that with where the tournament's going in 2026, it's being take. It's going to take place in Canada, America, and Mexico. You couldn't have a different World Cup. You know, it's it'll take not you not be the in same. a place. <laughs> It's not going to be the same. So look, there, there's got to be positives to this tournament. But again, I think you know it's hard to shake the you know some of, some of the image that's been tarnished by you know the treatment of migrant workers. Yeah, true. Mm. What's next, though? I mean, the next World Cup. The world already looking forward to that one, I'm sure. Yes, absolutely. As I said, it's going to be held in Canada, jointly held by Canada. The USA and Mexico. Uh, you mentioned that. Info, we mentioned that Infantino press conference on Friday. He said that the tournament will actually be increasing in size, up to 48 teams. So that's great news for smaller nations, perhaps like Singapore or or mm. me as a Scotland fan. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps perhaps we'll see some of those smaller nations. And it's also good for um, African nations, Asian nations because one of the criticisms of the World Cup in modern times is that European and South American teams are overrepresented. Right. And the opportunity for teams from Africa and Asia. So why some people might say, oh gosh, 48 teams, that's too much football, that's too many teams. Well, it is giving an opportunity for smaller nations to take part. And again, as I said, as a Scotsman, I think that can only be a good
0: thing. Well, you know what? In 2022, fourth place was Korea, and this was hosted by Korea and Japan. And Morocco is in fourth place right now, hosted by Qatar. Mm. Who knows? 2026, Mm. maybe an North American team would end up in fourth place as well. Let's hope and uh, maybe boost the popularity of soccer, as they call it, as we call it in Canada, uh, will be more popular.
1: Ah so you're from Can- well, Canada. Obviously, <laughs> yeah, he is. Did pretty well this well how did I guess? But no no. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean Canada, I think you've got lots of reasons to be hopeful. They've got some great young players. They they obviously did quite well in this tournament mm-hmm. without, you know, obviously leaving the group stages. I think it's really set up quite nicely for yeah. Canada. So um as I say, I'm, I'll mention Scotland one more time. Hopefully, Scotland <laughs> can join you and we can, we can both have a great tournament.
0: We'll talk again in 2026 now. We'll talk again next week. Thank you very much, Pete, for joining us. <laughs>
1: Pete Ross, Thanks producer, so much, presenter from the BBC. Thanks very much for joining us and uh, giving us the lowdown on all things World Cup. I'm sure that's something we'll be talking about even more in the days to come.
0: To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg.